Welcome to Dreaming Polygons. I'm Max Patton, and this is a podcast that explores the games industry by interviewing the ambitious dreamers and creators who are shaping its future, one polygon at a time. For our first episode, I'm honored to have on Notecraft, a game server host that is on the eve of launching their new control panel, which is going to allow players to pay one fee for access to multiplayer for many popular games, including Minecraft, Terraria, Gary's Mod, and Counter-Strike. So let's talk to James and John from Nocraft for some insight on what it's like to run a game server business and to discuss the future of that very business. Hey, so I am with Nodecraft uh, with uh, James and John, who are the core of the Nodecraft team. And we're talking to them about Nodecraft, why it started, where it's going. So let's begin with why it started. Why did you decide to start a game server company? Well, first of all, thank you for taking the time to uh, talk to us today. Uh, but it really comes down to a lot of what James and I used to do uh, way back in the day. Uh, we ran a couple of different game servers ourselves. We had a community around. I had a Minecraft uh, server and James had a Gary's Mod server. And we kept running into issues where it was really difficult to manage the physical machine. And it was also really difficult to give somebody else access. So we ended up creating a lot of tools ourselves to uh, make this a little easier to do. And after talking to each other, it kind of became obvious, like, we should be selling this as a service. And with the boom of Minecraft that was just now starting, uh, it's really hit its, like, actual golden years, as we now know. It was an easy way for us to get into the market and ultimately a way for us to get customers without having to spend a lot on advertising. As there were just so many, it was easy to just kind of go to the right forums, go to Reddit, and get a lot of customers. Mm-hmm. And why do you think Minecraft was, you know, booming at that time? Like, why were people so interested in making their own servers? So it was really interesting because at that time, Minecraft was growing. There was a lot of traction. There are a ton of YouTubers and streamers playing the game. It was really one of the first big games that let people kind of build and play together and build these worlds that would last for months, years on end, even some of them. And it was kind of a new experience for a lot of people, which is kind of what entice people to get their own servers and create these huge complex worlds and even go as far as creating their own games, their own mini games. And it was just really interesting to see. Why do you think that um, Nodecraft is different from other hosts? Because obviously there's other game server companies that um, let you know people easily manage their uh, own multiplayer. What makes Nodecraft different? What's your advantage? So one of the problems we found both as a uh, consumer at the time and that we still see today is that so many of these companies are just not invested in the product. And what I mean by that is there's a large portion of them that are what we affectionately call rack monkeys, meaning that they love to handle the hardware, uh, the physical aspect of running a company like this. Uh, but that doesn't really help anybody trying to play a game when all you won't care about is your Minecraft server. The physical machines are just a factor that you expect to just happen to operate on its own. Uh, we take a lot of our past experiences as developers. Uh, before Nerdcraft, I did a lot of consulting and IT work where I would be developing uh, specialized web products. So it made a lot of sense for us to build a highly usable UI that anybody can use. This could be, you know, gamers old and young, or even parents, which is, by the way, really important for the Minecraft crowd with all the parents that want to actually play games with their kids instead of just giving them a server and letting them run off. Uh, 
And so ultimately that ease of use is really important, but also with this new product launch, we're looking at adding a new component that really hasn't been seen in this industry, which is providing a single subscription for all the games we support without charging you individually for each game. So it's kind of like this Netflix style subscription model where you just pay a monthly fee and you can play any game you want to without having to pay extra to swap them around or pay per slot. It's just pay for the resources that you need to consume and switch between the games any given time with our save and swap instant system. Right. And that's kind of born from, uh, you know, your new version of node panel, which is kind of your custom tech and a tool for letting players really easily manage all of their uh, multiplayer games. And obviously you guys started with Minecraft. What was it like, you know, working on node panel V2 and expanding your ambitions, you know, working on all these other games, these games that are made in other engines games that are, you know, sometimes not as simple as Minecraft. Uh, what was that like to develop? It was actually extremely interesting, and there was a lot of work and a lot of time put into it, but we learned a ton of things along the way. Um, for example, we actually did try and run a few of these games like Counter-Strike and games in the Source Engine in our original V1 platform, and things did work out pretty well. Um, the problem was, as we were building on top of it, we found and created a lot of technical debt throughout time. So we kind of had to transition to this new platform that was designed around the concept of running these multiple games that, as you said, run on different engines, require different things. Um, Minecraft is still probably our most customizable game in the sense of people are using it to create custom worlds, things like that. Games like Counter-Strike, you kind of like play and go. Like there's not much customization going. You just kind of hit the start button, jump in the game and have some fun. Right. But it's been really fun to develop this platform that allows you to swap between games and learning all of the the niches and the quirks that all, all these different game engines have. Mm -hmm. and, and I do want to add to that real quick that there's there's a lot of uh, parts to maintaining this kind of infrastructure that isn't apparent when you first start uh, trying to build a company out like this. Um, and it's one of the reasons I still love gaming to this day is there's so many technical challenges that come about when you're trying to deal with real-time data. Uh, instead of just trying to build, get another application that just stores data. Um, so like in your traditional web app, you don't have to worry about the uh, just rapid pace or just making sure something happens right here, right now, across hundreds of machines, uh, if not thousands of machines. And so that's it's really become a new challenge for us where we have to really take new approaches to how we do uh, development. You're obviously publicly a server host, but it seems like you're equally as much a tech company because you're developing your own technology, your own software layer that is really doing all of this kind of amazing custom stuff and uh, transforming that experience. What are the aspects of the business, you know, beyond the games that you're, do you think are essential to it? So you're absolutely right. We're, we're a consumer facing software company. We don't want to deal with hardware. In fact, we spend a lot of our time uh, developing relationships with hardware companies, um, specifically because it, it lends to a better experience. We don't have to put somebody in Singapore or a whole set of staff in Singapore to staff at 24 seven to handle issues with hardware. We can actually rely and lean on that hardware company to take care of us, uh, especially if we've established a relationship with them. Um, but that lets us focus on the customer experience. And that's something we're actually hoping to bring to game developers as well in the coming years is that we want to make this something that they can access 
uh, provide and make accessible to their users, like Realms has done for Minecraft, but in a way that uh, could actually end up better funding the game developer where they don't have to rely on uh, these loot box systems or these other crazy mechanics that just end up thwarting off users instead of paying the bills, which is what they're trying to do at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've given hints about that, uh, working with developers, you know, on projects like that to kind of integrate NodeCraft uh, into the game itself. Because right now, with a lot of these games like Minecraft, it's kind of a matter of the player, um, you know, running into frustrations or problems with the running a server themselves and then running into someone like you guys. Whereas you kind of want to be in the game itself one day. I think that's going to be a big step and something that's really exciting because then you're transforming from a game server business into basically, um, you know, working with games developers. It's a much more involved process. Yeah, I just wanted to add on to that. And basically, the, the, the extra value proposition we get to give our game developers when we start creating this uh, relationship is that we're not going to be another company coming up to them saying, hey, so you should spend money with us instead we're actually trying to make the counter argument where it's like, hey, you should make money with us. Um, because right now the process really is the game developer releases a game, let's call it $60. And on average, they see between 15 to $25 of that. And that's before they pay staff. That's before they pay taxes. That's before they even have an office, assuming that they're that big of a company. And then they get to watch companies like Nodecraft and all the other game server providers turn around and sell servers at, you know, an average of 20 to 30 bucks a month, meaning that, you know, by month two, we've probably brought in more just raw revenue than they have uh, that's landed in, in our banks before our costs as well. And so it creates this really jaded situation where they're kind of disconnected from it. And so when we can say, you know, the customer may not even have to buy anything new, they may already have a subscription with us, and that means they have access to your servers. And while they're running your game, you're getting paid uh, a percentage in royalty on that. I think that's a really powerful way for them to start just generating revenue without having to do any extra real work. Mm-hmm. Right, because uh, hopefully one day you want to have you know tools to do this in Unity and Unreal and kind of make it really easy for, and I guess an obvious choice for the developer uh, to just use your tech you know, for their multiplayer. A lot of games like Minecraft in uh, Gary's Mod, where you know the servers can be provided by third parties like yourself, they're becoming, some would say, like less common in the wake of uh, Battlegrounds and Fortnite, and you know games like that, which have their own you know massive official servers. How do you see the long-term future of you know those games that let the players kind of customize and control their own server? Uh, where do you see that going? So first of all, I want to uh, give a shout out if I can to one of the my favorite content creators, uh, which does videos talking about some of the backend server tech. Um, and that would be the, uh, which channel is that? The um, Battle Nonsense. And he, he, he breaks down all the different ways that different, the new games are coming out are handling the performance and or how they handle things like desync or lag compensation. But just he kind of brings things that are less obvious to folks in a really nice format. But he kind of opened up our eyes to something that we kind of been thinking about, but gave us some concrete proof and moved us into the research steps to kind of really prove this model out on, on uh, the actual specs um, and what I'm rambling about basically is that these new uh, th- these new games are using cloud backed servers which 
um, technically sounds great because when you think about cloud, you think about companies like Amazon and Google right. who just never go down. They always operate at scale. And so it seemed like it'd be a good match for gaming. Uh, but it's really not the truth. A, a cloud server is this generic machine that they have an absurd volume of just hundreds of thousands of millions of machines. Mm -hmm. And when you have an application that's distributed, like a website, you can just spin up X number or dozens of them, and it'll have a, a high uh, resiliency rate to a flood of customers. But a game, a game doesn't have that, that kind of uh, persistence. You have to have your whole set of connections to one machine. And in Counter-Strike, you might have like six to eight milliseconds to calculate when somebody shoots and what they hit and report that to all the players and do any kind of mathematical calculations. And so that's, that's hard to accomplish on these general use machines. And so uh, we've been doing some testing with Minecraft and comparing different uh, cloud providers against you know, our machines, our competitors' machines, just to get a, get a better understanding. And we're finding that you know, our competitors and ourselves are just benchmarking significantly better performance records uh, in comparison to these cloud providers. And so that's where we're seeing a lot of these issues where, you know, Fortnite and PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds are just having these low tick rates. I mean, like slower than Minecraft tick rates for a shooting game, which yeah. that's crazy. You don't want lower <laughs> than 20 for that. Yeah. Right. And so you're, you're seeing like, like at the worst case, significantly lower down to like the 14s uh, on that tick rate. And that just it creates a poor experience for the players. And this is where you start seeing the interesting stuff happen where streamers will be playing. Um, I think there was a streamer at one time who had about 50,000 uh, viewers and he just keeps having these lag issues to the point where he uninstalls the game live on the stream. Jeez. And if you're a game developer, that's the last thing you want to happen. That's one of the reasons we're still avoiding the cloud. We're still working with uh, bare metal machines. It's, there's, there's a significant performance difference there. Yeah, for sure. And if uh, you remember, Back in uh, 2013, when Microsoft was, you know, unveiling their console, the Xbox One, uh, the new one, it was there was a lot of controversy because Microsoft kept uh, touting, you know, the benefits of the cloud, and it was this really vague term like, oh, we can scale graphics, we can have amazing multiplayer experiences, and a lot of that, you know, due to backlash and probably technical reasons, didn't really pan out. Do you think that eventually is going to happen for games where there's going to be a movement towards, you know, more heavy online stuff, or do you think there's always going to be that? backlash from users in that sense it's interesting when games have an always online feature or the servers are always provided by the actual game developer itself because as we're seeing now a lot of these games that have done that are slowly starting to just fall off the map because of developers they go out of business or they stop making games and suddenly their game is now entirely inoperable you can't play online you can't play with your friends and when you compare that to something like counter-strike which has been going for how many years now 20 something years the original counter-strike and you can just throw up a server no matter where you are and you can still get online and play with your friends and i still feel like this model of self-hosted servers is going to be something that people are really going to want, especially moving forward. And whilst everything is going to this whole always online mechanism, I don't think that's going to really pan out for every game ever under the sun. It's okay when you're talking about big companies like Blizzard, people you can rely on to be online in five years' time. 
But if you're a small gaming company, then you've made two games and your game can only be run on your own servers. What happens when you disappear in two years? That game that you made has now become irrelevant and no one knows about you in five, ten years. Even from things like game archival to just user feedback to the uh, game even working, it's a tough question with the cloud. But when it comes to Nodecraft in five years, where do you see your company going? So... This is something we've been really talking about more with, you know, with the new product coming out, there has to be a new direction. And the, the short answer is more games, obviously, uh, followed up by having these direct relationships with game developers. Uh, but from from there, I think there's a lot of extra parts to gaming that haven't really been hit very well uh, in the market. So starting with that is things like cloud gaming, where you have a Chromebook and you just want to play some games. And I think there's a lot to be said for if you've already got a, a Nodecraft server, if you could just convert that into a cloud gaming server when you're on the go, that's a great value proposition that you don't have to just pay extra. You just convert what you're already paying for into something else. And from our end, again, that doesn't affect us. We're happy to do it for them. And finding more ways to basically make gamers uh, online multiplayer just as easy as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes way beyond even multiplayer, like the thing you mentioned with the Chromebooks. I've been using uh, the GeForce Now thing. I think NVIDIA is doing a beta for that. Uh, and that's really cool because I have a MacBook that's not very powerful, but I'm able to play, you know, Battlegrounds or the PC games everyone's talking about because of tools like that. And right now, you know, that's in its infancy. There's high latency and it, the price looks, uh, at least from what NVIDIA is offering, looks to be quite expensive, you know, one that launches for everyone. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see, I think, where cloud you know, gaming goes beyond just multiplayer, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of places it could go. That's Nodecraft in the future. And I wish you guys good luck with NodePanel V2, because uh, it looks like a really cool addition to the you know, Nodecraft experience. And for people who are already on Nodecraft, I think they're looking forward to that already. And if you're not, you know, if you've ever considered, you know, playing a game with multiplayer uh, or want, you know, a way to get basically a multiplayer pass for a ton of games you play, uh, check it out. We'll have a link in the description. Uh, so thank you for coming on. Um, and uh, any anything else people can know about you, like where to follow Nodecraft for updates? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at just at Nodecraft. And of course, our website, Nodecraft.com. We'll be launching our NodePanel V2 next week that is going to be january 17th 2018 and we'd love to have you guys on board awesome uh yeah so look forward to that and should probably be released sometime close to that so probably in a matter of days from now uh so be on the lookout for that as for you listeners i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did feel free to rate us on apple podcast or leave a like on youtube you can subscribe to us in most podcast apps and on youtube as well there's also twitter which you will want to follow to stay updated on new episodes of the show our twitter is at polygons fm everything will be linked in the description Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Dreaming Polygons, and I will see you with new guests next time. Until then, goodbye world.